Good evening, football fans, and welcome to the show for this week. We'll spend the next half hour or so talking with Double E football coach Scott Milanovic. Before we bring Scott in, though, a reminder for you, tomorrow is the last day to submit your name for the Edmonton Football Club's uh, uh, opening that they have for your suggestion. So go to esks.com slash name or go, uh, go, go to uh, Twitter and use the hashtag EE name time. They want your suggestions for what you think the new name of the Edmonton Football Club should be. Tomorrow is the final day to get all entries in. Uh, they will then take a look at them all, kind of uh, uh, put some in and take some out, and they will release, uh, I think, four or five. They said they're going to release possibly in the new year, and uh, they'll get our thoughts on that once again, and then come back probably in uh, March or April with the new name for the Edmonton Football Club. So we'll have some football news coming up uh, for sure over the next few uh, uh, few months right now it's kind of slow though as we bring in the head coach of the double e football club scott milanovich how you doing tonight scott i'm doing good how are you you know i'm i'm okay i'm, I'm fighting a cold a bit but i'm i'm getting through it all right i got the rest of the week off so i'm going to enjoy that and get better uh, I, I mentioned uh, it was uh, a week uh, with not much news in it this past week the week before lots of cfl news to talk about with the cfl gray cup unite week that took place very quiet this week though have you got any kind of sense about when football operations around the league are going to kind of pick up heading towards 2021? I really don't. Um, uh, I'm assuming it's going to have to be sometime in the near future as far as, um, you know, being able to put your roster together, you know, teams finalizing staff. Um, I don't have a firm date, but I would think that's got to be happening very, very soon before we, before we get uh, into the new year and, you know, hit the ground running and, and working at full capacity. I believe as of now, you're not allowed to make roster moves or sign players, correct? That's my understanding, yes. Yeah, okay, so everybody kind of sits, and, and uh, so I guess until then you just tinker with the playbook, right, and write it and rewrite it and rewrite it again. Yeah, I mean, at least with the schedule coming in the last week, that's given us a little more direction as coaches as far as knowing who we're playing early in, early in the season. So we're, we're in the midst of doing that now is really uh, kind of zeroing in on our first couple of opponents. Doing, uh, you know, what we, see, what we feel is great game plans together for them, which will, you know, affect our, um, our uh, preseason schedule and, and training camp and how, how we practice. So um, at least for the next several weeks or probably till the end of the year, we're going to have as coaches plenty to do and, Hopefully by that time, uh, you know, we'll be able to get rosters thrown together and things like that. All right. I want to get your thoughts on, on what we saw yesterday in the NFL, that uh, the Denver Broncos went through a situation that I'm sure every uh, coach just dreads and, and probably felt it couldn't happen. But in the age of COVID, of course, it can. All four quarterbacks for the Denver Broncos unable to play yesterday because of COVID and close contact rules. So a guy by the name of Kendall Hinton, who I believe was a college quarterback, turned into a wide receiver, got the start on virtually zero notice with no practices. He went one for nine for 13 yards and uh, through two interceptions. Uh, first off, are you surprised that the game actually went through, that the league allowed it to go on? I am. Um, I will tell you, for instance, the NFL, most teams now are only carrying two quarterbacks that are active. So, um, you know, you always run the risk of, of number one and number two getting hurt within a game. So... Teams have gone into games, and when I was in Jacksonville, we always had a separate wristband with 10 or so plays for whoever our emergency quarterback was, usually a receiver or a running back or something of that nature. But I can tell you it was like 
it was like 10 plays, you know, and, and you had very little chance of actually executing something. Like if you, if you were up by 21 points and this happened, you might be able to put that guy in and run the clock out and punt and play defense, but very difficult situation. I can't imagine going into a full game um, like they had to yesterday. That, that's a tough deal. And the, and the kid, Kendall Hinton, he, he woke up on Saturday morning a practice squad receiver, and he went to bed on Saturday night a starting quarterback in the NFL. Uh, pretty much a no-win situation for him. How do, you, how do you think he handled himself considering the situation? Yeah, I saw, I saw a couple of series, um, you know, and it looked like you would expect it. And then I saw, I saw his interview afterwards. I thought, he, I thought he handled himself great. I saw some highlights on ESPN where, you know, the kid was just doing the best he could. He looked like he was out there kind of enjoying the moment and having as much fun as he can. Mike Shula, the quarterback coach there, was, was my offensive coordinator in Tampa as a player. <laughs> I didn't have the heart to reach out to him this week and see how he was doing, but I could see him on the sidelines talking, trying to talk him through what was going on. But just like you said, just a no-win situation. I thought the kid and the team did, did as much as they could. It's just – and in that defense, that's the other thing, is the Saints defense is really, really good and really dynamic. So – it was it was a tough test from that standpoint too. He didn't even get a weak defense. And I mean, they know he's not throwing, right? So they can they can scheme it a lot differently because he only threw the ball nine times. So you know he's not throwing the football. So that gives the defense an advantage right there. Yeah, absolutely. And then they know when he's throwing it. All they're really worried about was getting, I'm sure, him getting a one on one where he could just throw one up and a receiver could make a play. So again, I didn't watch much of it, but. I'm sure they were playing outside leverage so they couldn't get outside of him and run yellow balls and just kind of keeping keeping everything in front of him because if he soon you saw when he tried to throw the ball over the middle it was picked and um, just uh, you feel bad for the kid it's just that was tough sledding going going into it and again you're playing a great defense and a good football team so uh, it's a it's a shame. Yeah, for sure it was. Uh, I, I taste some hail on the other side. It's funny. I was thinking about it. Uh, Brady and Mahomes are playing on one network, and taste some hail and Kendall uh, Hinton are playing on another network. And I had more interest in that game. Just, I guess it was like a car wreck. You wanted to see what happened and how it turned out and how both teams handled it. It was kind of interesting how you got two of the best quarterbacks in the game playing and two guys who most fans never heard of are playing, and you, and you're watching the other game because you want to see how it plays out. Yeah, I was flipping back and forth really between both of them here. You know, the interesting thing about that situation, because it, when we were um, still talking about having our bubble situation, um, Brock and I actually talked about this and foresaw this possibility. And um, we were kicking around the idea of keeping a quarterback on the practice roster and completely isolating him from the rest of the team. So any work he would do, would be from the hotel room, you know, uh, on Zoom calls where he wouldn't even be around any of the other players. So yeah, we couldn't get stuck with a situation like Denver got stuck with yesterday. It would have been interesting to see how that would have turned out. But um, we kind of had a plan. We were, if you, it's a, it becomes a number situation also. Can you afford to have that guy on your, on your practice roster? But it was something that was discussed just, just for that same instance that you saw yesterday. Yeah, I, th I think I heard Bruce Arians talking about possibly doing that uh, way back in the summertime as well when uh, when the NFL was getting set to go to their training camps, and he was he was kind of kicking around. I guess as a coach, that's what you got to do, right? You got to find all the angles and and anything that that you can. You got to prepare for any possible outcome, even the ones that are that are probably not going to happen. 
Yeah, you do, and I think it's even worse for them because they're they're not in the bubble. But you, you know, you, you sit there and you talk about it. You say, okay, so this kid's going to be in the bubble, away from his family, in a hotel, can't hang out with his teammates. He's basically going to be completely isolated in a hotel room for whatever it was, nine nine games, and then playoffs. I mean, that that's a tough ask too. But I'm sure you found somebody that was willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, have you ever had any kind of situation, obviously not as bad as all four quarterbacks going out, but have you ever had a situation where you've, you've, you've run out of guys at a certain position and had to shift somebody around to play in a different position? Uh, yeah, I had a couple of situations. There was, in the CFL, we lost a couple of receivers. It wasn't that big of a deal because this is when I was in Montreal. Um, we lost a couple of receivers and had to play you know, tight ends the rest of the game and we had a big enough lead to run it out. When I was in NFL Europe coaching, we lost a couple of offensive linemen, and um, we ended up having to finish a game with a defensive lineman playing on the O-line and a tight end playing on the O-line. So uh, it happens. I mean, it's a little bit scary, and especially you know when you get <clears throat> later in the year when you get into situations where you're banged up at a position and maybe you're going into a game light at, light at running back, for instance, and um, – my last game two years ago in Jacksonville, we only had two running backs that were going into the last game, and one of them got sick, and then another one got hurt in, in, um, in pregame. And I remember talking to D.D. Westbrook, who's a slot receiver, kind of like a G. Roy Simon type of guy, talking to him pregame and trying to get him coached up to be the running back. And um Fortunately for us, the other guy made it through the game. But, uh, yeah, it happens, and it's scary. and uh, That's part of the game, though. You, you do the best you can with it. Yeah, I know here in the 14 and the 15 season, because of injuries on the O-line, Chris Jones flipped Eddie Steele around to become an offensive lineman. He started a handful of games on the O-line and did not look out of place there at all. Chris Jones has done that a lot, as I recall, though. Uh, I think he's turned a, a receiver into a into a defensive end, and he's I know in his time in Edmonton, he's flipped a lot of, of fullbacks into linebackers and linebackers into fullbacks. And I, I guess you just, as I said before, you got to figure out you know the best way to help your team. Yeah, no question. Chris definitely, we did a little bit of that when we were together in Toronto where we would cross-train guys, offensive guys playing defense and, and vice versa. Chris has, um, he's always kind of had a little bit of that Jimmy Johnson theory where, okay, you were a great, this is when Jimmy was the, the head coach at Miami Hurricanes, where you were a great you know, high school linebacker but maybe weren't a great athlete at that position for the next level. So they bulked that guy out and put him on the D-line, and now he was really athletic. So um, Chris is always, you know, he's a big numbers guy, speed and 40 and vertical and all that stuff. And so he was he was always messing around trying to get guys in different positions to see if uh, that would be a better fit and they could be more more dynamic that way. Uh, Jordan Hoover was on Inside Sports uh, last week talking to Reed, and Reed asked him who he enjoys watching right now, and this is kind of going back to guys playing different positions, and he said that uh, he, he loves to watch all football, but he's um, really enjoyed watching uh, Taysom Hill play this year, who's a guy who's who's lined up at all sorts of different spots for New Orleans, now in at quarterback with the injury to, to, to Drew Brees. Uh, have you watched much of him, and what do you think about the way he plays? He's he's kind of like the Chris Strebler of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, who they've had for a couple of years, who's now in Arizona. I haven't seen him play a lot of quarterback. I saw a little bit more of him probably last year when he was doing the, the jack-of-all-trades kind of thing, and um, you know, dynamic because he's a matchup problem. He's <clears throat> he can run the ball from the slot. Uh, he's a devastating blocker. 
physical, can go up and get it. You know, he helps out on special teams. Like you said, it's a little bit like Chris Strelizic. As a quarterback, I haven't seen enough of him. Uh, my instinct is he's not a good enough passer to, to do it consistently at that level, but certainly a great football player and really – I haven't seen enough of him as a quarterback to to make that comment. It's just my gut from what I've seen. I think maybe what what we've been talking about uh, tonight so far is you're probably safe to say that uh, maybe playing quarterback in the NFL might be one of, if not the toughest job in sports. I I mean, I've always believed that, and I believe it's the hardest spot in in, in all of sports to play just because, I mean, you hear all these people that are talking about Brady playing poorly now, and – you know, because I'm in I'm in Florida, I see a lot of their games. There are a lot of their games are on TV, and you know he's getting he's not getting protected very well, in my opinion. And um, it's a hard position to play, and those guys are so fast, and defenses have gotten so dynamic, and and they're on you so quickly that um, it, the the guys that that can do it at the highest level, the Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. I mean, they just they're at a different level, and it just takes something a little bit more special than. You know, the college guys that are coming out, there's very few of them that are going to end up being the great players that they were in college. All right, we're with uh, Scott Milanovic on the Double E Coaches Show. My name is Morley Scott. When we come back, we'll talk more about some of those great NFL quarterbacks and the kind of seasons that they're having, including some of the young guys who are uh, coming on like gangbusters this year. Really enjoyed watching a lot of those guys develop that and more when we continue on the Double E Coaches Show here on 630 Chet. As you heard during that break, uh, today and tomorrow, the last days to get your name suggestion in, um, Elk Express Eagles, uh, kind of uh, leading the way in my mind anyway, but we'll see. Uh, they're, they're, they're getting all sorts of great suggestions, and they're going to narrow it down. We'll have more on that uh, probably in the new year and then an official name in the spring. also want to remind you uh, that the uh, the next 50-50 by the Double E Football Club is coming up on Saturday, December the 5th. That's uh, this Saturday, and it is in support of the Alberta Golden Bears, the Edmonton Huskies, and the Edmonton Wildcats. Amateur football in and around uh, Edmonton. Uh, 50-50 tickets will be on sale through the website. You can check all the details at esks.com. It is on Saturday. Uh, man, it was such a great success with the Joey Moss 50-50, uh, raising almost half a million dollars uh, for the Joey Moss Foundation, which was uh, absolutely fantastic. And, of course, that means half a million dollars for a lucky winner as well, or pretty close to it. So uh, let's see if we can get it that high again Saturday, December 5th, for the uh, Double E's next 50-50 in support of amateur football, the Golden Bears, the Huskies, and the Wildcats. Morley Scott with Scott Milanovic, the head coach of the Double E uh, football team. Uh, we're talking about uh, some NFL quarterbacks before the break. Uh, Scott, I, I, I kind of want to get your opinion on this era in quarterbacks. It seems to me it, it's kind of like uh, the golden age of quarterbacking in the NFL right oh. now. There's so many guys who are in the late stages of their careers still playing well, like uh, Brady, sort of, and, and Breeze, Rogers, Big Ben, Russell Wilson. Uh, they're playing well still deep in their careers, but, man, there's a great crop of young guys coming up in the likes of Lamar Jackson and Patrick Mahomes and, and Tua and Murray and, and Herbert. Uh, there's so many really good quarterbacks in this league right now. Yeah, I think, um, you know, it seems to go in cycles, and not too many years ago they were there's talk about, you know, who's going to be next, and there's a quarterback shortage and all those things, and um, I think the league is in, in great hands now. Um I mean, just this past year, I love Joe Burrow. Unfortunate injury for him. I, mm-hmm. I think he's got a, a huge future. Um, I haven't seen as much of Justin Herbert, but I just keep reading his stats and seeing his highlights. And um, 
you know, this is a, a six-five, I think, two hundred and fifty-pound guy that's a great athlete and has a cannon and can run and um, just doing so much better than I think a lot of people anticipated. And I love Tua coming out. You know, he's coming off that injury, but very few people have I ever seen throw the deep ball as accurately as him. So um, just those three guys this past year uh, have teams in great shape. And then, you know, I go back to a couple of years ago with Mahomes might end up being the best quarterback to ever play the game. Mm-hmm. I, I'm a huge fan. I know they're having a down year, but I'm a huge fan of Deshaun Watson. I got a chance to interview him and spend some time with him. And, you know, not just a great player, but a great guy. And Josh Allen in Buffalo and um, Lamar, like you said. It's just um, I think the league is in, in really strong hands and going forward. Yeah, Murray, too, in Arizona is a guy I don't think we mentioned. But um, if there's one guy that, that uh, you you got to pay to watch or you're going to pay to watch play at quarterback position, who is it right now? Uh, Mahomes, without without a doubt. When you know when we did him, um, when I was in Jacksonville, uh, did the scouting report on him. He was kind of kind of a late bloomer. He, you know, they were talking about him being the third, fourth, fifth rounder. This is in like February, and then as his momentum kind of got going, he, he worked himself up into a first rounder. I remember telling people that you know when you do the the scouting reports for, for everybody. I remember telling people he reminded me of Brett Favre and um, you kind of get a snicker and, you know, he'd he better than Favre. I think I undersold him with that. So um, just a, a dynamic, dynamic player um, can throw off balance. It's just his instinct in the pocket is amazing. The one thing that people don't talk about and you don't know about him is he's got like a photographic memory. So when he came to, to Jacksonville, and I set him down, and I installed a couple of plays, like off of our playbook, you know, splits, depths, uh, what we called it. And then he would go meet with Coach Marone for an hour, come back, and then I would put him on the board and say, I want you to install it just like I did. With He didn't miss a thing. It was amazing. You see 12-year veterans that, that can't do that. So um, everybody talks about his talent, his athleticism, and all that. The, the guy is brilliant and uh, good person. I, I just really like to watch him. Yeah, he's uh, he is very good for sure. Uh, the, the, all the young guys, they seem to have a different, just a different swagger to them when they play now. But the old guys are still pretty good. I mean, uh, Drew Brees was having a good season until he got hurt. Uh, Brady is, I, I think he's kind of been hit and miss. But like you said earlier, he's, he hasn't gotten much protection it seems. But uh, Big Ben, after a year off, is playing pretty well. Russell Wilson still playing pretty well, and Aaron Rodgers is is really good again this year. How tough is it for those guys at that point in their career to keep going and be as good as they are right now? Well, I mean, Aaron Rodgers, again, like you said, he, to me, he's he's right right behind Patrick Mahomes. He's still a, kind of a similar player, really dynamic, throws off balance, uh, huge, huge arm, knows the game so well. If you watch, When you watch Aaron Rodgers, just watch his eyes. If he's going to throw it right, his eyes never go over there until the last minute. So he, he really manipulates the defense. Ben's playing, I think, phenomenal football. You know, could be comeback player of the year. Russell Wilson, to me, still underrated. You know, they're not, I don't think, protecting him very well either. He uh, he has done a lot there, kind of on his own for the last several years. Um, gets him out of trouble, and they don't protect him. Just uh, a great player. As far as you know, how hard is it for them? I, it's hard for me to know. To me, it's all it's all physical and, and health related. Um, I, you know, I never played to that age in my career i wasn't a good enough player to still be playing but um i know it takes a toll and 
those guys are beat up. I, I saw it with Nick Foles, and he's not as old as some of those guys. It just it takes a toll on you physically and and mentally, and um, that's why the protection portion of that thing is so important. All right, out of time for this week, Scott. Appreciate you uh, spending some time with us, and uh, hopefully in the next couple of weeks we'll have some some CFL news to talk more about. Appreciate your time tonight, though. Have yourself a good week. Thanks, Marley. You too. All right, that is Scott Milanovic, the head coach of the Double E Football Club. 14-0, by the way. Seattle leads Philadelphia. They're at the half in the Monday Night Football game. Uh, we also got another game later this week. The, the Pittsburgh-Baltimore uh, game's now been moved to Wednesday night. Uh, they keep playing tag with that game. It keeps jumping all over the schedule. But now it's set for Wednesday night. That's it for this week, everybody. Thanks for joining me on the show tonight. Our thanks to uh, studio producer uh, Kellen Kennedy. And uh, we'll talk to you next week right back here, 7.30 Monday night for the Double E Coaches Show here on 630 Chet. Have a great night, everybody.